Good morning. Good morning. It's so good for you to be, that you're here today online. Kids, adults, who's ever with us this morning, it's so glad that you've chosen to be with One Hope this morning. Here we go. The last week of this series that, if I just was totally honest with you, this series comes directly from my heart to us as a church. It's a series that I hope has ripple effects beyond this moment into so many lives. It's a series that is going to shape the future and the language and the mission of this church because I believe we were created to be free. I believe that you were created in the image of God to be free, and that's what we've been talking about. From the beginning of Scripture, we see that sin kind of busted this up. And that brokenness is still carried into today. But God is still pursuing us to live in what we were created for, to be free. Now, I don't want you to forget that simple phrase I just said. I don't want to get past you this morning. Is that God truly is always pursuing you. I need us to know that. I need us to never forget this no matter what we're going through. God is always pursuing you. God is always wanting you. No matter what you've done. No matter your weaknesses. No matter your brokenness. No matter your sin. Like God is always pursuing you. Because this is why Jesus was sent to this earth. Do you know that? That is why Jesus is sent to this earth in pursuit of you and me. The mission of Jesus is you and me. So I want to remind you this morning, the mission and purpose of Jesus was to set us free. It's a central theme in all of Scripture from the beginning until the end. And so when you don't feel like you're living in freedom, when you feel the weight of life, you feel that bondage, of life, you feel just things are not going your way, you feel like life's against you, you just get terrible news, you just, there is more because you were created to live free. But if you want to experience that more, you need to lean into experiencing Jesus at another level. Like when you're feeling lost in life, when you feel that heaviness, this is not the time we run from God. This is the time that we run to God even more. Because he's waiting for us there. To give you what he's always wanted for you. That's the heart of this series, and I hope you can live in it. Now, as we get into our last conversation, um, I want to remind us how we got to here today. The first week I talked about that freedom mindset, right? I talk about that freedom mindset that, that, that when Jesus came, he said, you've got narrow road and you've got wide road. You've got narrow gate, you've got wide gate. And you have to have a mindset that says, I'm going down the narrow road because that's where freedom is. I have to have that in my mind. And then the next week I talked about as you go down that journey, your identity is going to be challenged. And so much of freedom is tied to who we think we are. And we have been created in the image of God. We have a God-given identity. If you want freedom, you've got to own that and grab a hold of it. Then the third week, we talked about some experiences that we've all faced that have shaped our freedom. And that's the words, words that brought life, words that brought death. Or as we talked about, words that bring freedom and words that bring bondage. We've all experienced those. But if you want to live in freedom, you have to allow the greatest voice in your life be the one 
of God. Because he always speaks life. And then because of that, we can speak life into other people. And then the next week was living a life of uh, surrender. Because I said, the vehicle that takes us to freedom is surrender. What are you holding on to? And then last week, last week that leads into our final week was looking at life. And we can't view life as a playground. We have to view it as a battleground. And when we view it that way, we will dress the part And if we view that life is a battleground, then we will put on that full armor of God. It was interesting for me this week. I I didn't see this coming. I don't know what goes on. But I kept on getting messages this week about how through many devotionals, even if you use the YouVersion app, I think it was Monday or Tuesday, I forget that it quoted Ephesians 6. It seemed like it was a thematic thing going on. And I'll just say this. When I begin to see themes not just in this room, but other rooms that seems like maybe God is wanting to speak a particular message to his people. And maybe that message for you is to armor up, put on all of it, because you are in a battle, but you don't live that battle or fight through that battle for victory. You live it from victory because what you've been given. And so that was last week, and we're going to now go into our final week together. And the year was 1999, and the town was Watford, England. It was a Sunday morning, and the pastor of that church started to feel a stirring and a conviction in his spirit. And that morning, he decided to bring a, a correction and a challenge to his people, And his question that morning was simply this. What are you bringing in worship? In the way he describes it, it was like he felt like his church was worshiping, but there was something missing. And as I read that, it reminded me of a a verse that looked a lot like in, in, in the book of Matthew, verse 15, verse 8, where Jesus says, These people, they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. In essence, he was challenging his people to evaluate themselves. How are you worshiping Jesus today? So this is what he did. They turned off all the technology. They unplugged guitars and they stripped everything down. And he asked them, he said, can you still worship without all of this stuff that you're used to? And later he says, this was a breakthrough moment for their church. Now, it had nothing to do with instruments or no instruments. had nothing to do with technology or no technology, guitar, not guitars, lights, not. had nothing to do with that because they went back pretty quickly to what they had always done. The point was he asked a question. He forced people to stop and to think, what are you bringing in worship? Now, because of that morning's challenge, a young worship leader named Matt Redman was inspired. He was in, the inspiration was so much that he went home that day and he began to write, alone in his room, a worship song. A worship song that ended up being a song that went across the world, a song titled, Heart of Worship. 
These are the lyrics. When the music fades and all is stripped away, I simply come, longing just to bring something that's of worth that will bless your heart. I'll bring you more than a song, for a song in itself is not what you have required. You search much deeper within through the way things appear. You're looking into my heart. I'm coming back to the heart of worship, and it's all about you, and it's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it when it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. King of endless worth, no one could express how much you deserve. Though I'm weak and poor, all I have is yours. Every single breath. I'll bring you more than a song. For a song in itself is not what you've required. You search much deeper within. Through the way things appear, you're looking into my heart. Now, why do I tell this story today? Why do I tell this story as we finish our series today? Here's why. If you want to experience the freedom in Jesus... If you want to experience the freedom in Jesus that he came to give, there needs to be a moment in our lives where you stop, strip away everything, and ask yourself, what am I bringing in worship to Jesus today? Here's why. Freedom in Jesus cannot be separated from the worship of Jesus. Hear me on this. Freedom in Jesus cannot be separated from the worship of Jesus. But hear me on this. When I talk about the worship of Jesus, I am not talking about what we have done and are still doing here today. When I talk about the worship of Jesus, I'm just not talking about this. Because worshiping Jesus is not relegated to a space. It's not relegated to uh, songs and singing or just moments in our lives. No, to live a life-changing, Jesus-centered freedom, our lives need to be transformed from moments of worship to living a life of worship. If we want to experience a Jesus-centered freedom, we've got to stop narrowing worship down to little moments and be transformed into living a life of worship. Because I truly believe that we are created to live in freedom, but many don't ever experience that freedom because we don't go all in on what it means to have a life of worship. A life of worship that positions us to a a place where we can experience the freedom in Christ in a consistent way, not just moments, not just in the scary moments, not just in the, when we come begging, consistent freedom. So I'm going to take inspiration from that pastor in the late 1990s, and I'll ask the same question to people that I love deeply. Will you take a moment, stop and evaluate 
And ask yourself, am I living a life of worship? Am I living a life of worship or do I compartmentalize my life every day in my relationship with Jesus? Am I all in and worshiping Jesus with my whole self or is it just one of many things that live on that level? Are you not experiencing the freedom that we've talked about for the last six weeks that maybe you've heard in your life? Are you not experiencing that? Maybe it's because you need to step into a life of worship in in a more intentional way. If you're not experiencing this freedom, maybe God's going to ask you to stop, evaluate, and push you to a deeper level of worship. Now, maybe when I ask that, kind of feeds a follow-up question. Maybe when I ask that, and you begin to look at yourself and you do admit, there probably is something more I need to give, something I need to do, but it leaves you asking a question. Scott, what does living a life of worship even look like? If that's a question you want to ask, I'm glad you asked it because I'm about to answer it, all right? Maybe you want to take some notes to remind yourself, maybe just to think about it this week. Because I think a a life of worship is this, choosing Jesus first. Choosing Jesus first. Matthew 6.33 says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Can can, Can you own the truthfulness of this statement? Whatever you put first in your life is what you worship. Can that be a statement that you're willing to own? Whatever you put first in your life is what you've chosen to worship. Is there truth in that? Because we can say whatever we want today, but whatever we put first, whatever we make a priority, this is what we worship. I kind of think of it it, this may be silly, but I was thinking about it this week, and remind me of like my pre-marrying Amber and dating days. So like I've got my dating experience, and I've got my marriage experience. And, and I got to be honest with you. I mean, we've been together sixteen years. I can be honest. Pre-marrying Amber, I was pretty fickle when it came to girls. I was pretty fickle. You know, I didn't date, date. You know, like date, date somebody for longer than a month before I ever dated Amber. I just wasn't really about it. I didn't want to get locked down to anything more than a casual, let's hang out, some flirting, you know, like I just wasn't about it. And at that time, I kind of, I look back and go, I I kind of felt like I was free. You know, honestly, I was like, I am free. I wasn't making any girl first, and so I didn't feel committed. And so that freedom of not being locked down was there. I, I kind of could bounce around, do whatever I want, wanted, when I wanted to do it. Just kind of that was the dating pre-Amber experience for me. But then I met Amber. And things changed. This happens, doesn't it? I met Amber and things changed. Priorities changed. And I began to do this crazy thing. I began to put her first. 
What nonsense. Like I began to put her first above myself. And since that time, my perspective has changed. Now, my perspective has changed. That pre-Amber where I thought I was living in freedom, I wasn't really free. Honestly, I was selfish. I just put myself at the center of things. There wasn't freedom in that life because, to be honest, there still was a lot of insecurity. Always wondering, does that person like me? Does that person like me? How do I get that person to like me? Do I even like them? A lot of just wonderings. There wasn't freedom in that. It was a wondering. It was a game playing. It was... It was moments that, if I really was honest, I look back and I go, eh, it's maybe more stressful or confusing than I would want to admit. Here's why I tell you this. The most freeing thing for my life then was when I decided that Amber was my person for life. Because there is freedom in deciding. There's freedom in knowing. There's freedom in choosing the person that you love. Now, I'm not saying that marriage is easy. Marriage is a lot of work, more on Amber's side than mine probably, but marriage is work. But when I put our relationship first, when I focus my attention and energy just on us, not on a bunch of potential relationships, this is where freedom actually was. Now, what about you? Forget dating. We all got our own stories, right? Like, forget dating. How about you? Are you choosing Jesus first, seeking him first in your life right now? Because we need to know something very powerful about your life and my life. It's universally true. When our attention is scattered, when we're being pulled in a lot of different directions, moving from one priority to another, we are not free. But when we choose Jesus first, when we choose Jesus first and everything in our life is heading in one direction, I think that's where freedom is found. I think there's freedom found in choosing Jesus first. If I really want to experience freedom in Jesus, try choosing Jesus first and don't let him be one of the many things on the same level. Because a life of worship which allows us to live in consistent freedom, will choose Jesus first. Now, second thing is this. Not just choosing Jesus first. Here's the second thing. A life of worship is remaining close to Jesus daily. We want to talk about freedom and where we want to end this series and how it lives out in a consistent way. You've got to choose Jesus first, but then you've got to remain in him daily. When I read the Old Testament... I see a group of people who wandered the desert. After God had freed them from the slavery of Egypt, they wandered the desert uh, looking for the promised land that God had for them. Now, if you don't know that story, go to Exodus. Maybe this month you want to read through the book of Exodus. It's a great story of how God and his people worked at the, in the Old Testament. But everywhere they went, they would set up a tabernacle or a sanctuary and inside that sanctuary would be the Ark of the Covenant. And they did this because this is where they would meet with 
and dwell in the presence of God. This is what it says in uh, Exodus 25. And let them make a sanctuary that I may dwell in their presence. This is the Old Testament story of God and his people. Set this up. You go to God. This is where he is, and you can be in the presence. Now, the New Testament changes with the death and resurrection of Jesus. On the other side of that, the relationship changes more personal. James describes it this way. James 4.8 says, come near to God, and God will come near to you. Jesus pushes it to another level. In John chapter 15, he says, remain in me as also I remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself if it must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I'm the vine, Jesus says. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. You don't leave what you love. When you love something, you remain committed and close to it. This is why I can't allow the conversation of worship to be just a here thing. It can't just be a here thing. Yeah, we sing and we learn and we fellowship, and this is a form of worship. But we don't leave worship behind. We don't leave it here. That's why worship can't be just a here thing. I love Sundays together. I actually think they're way underrated of what God wants to do in this place, through this place. But this is just one piece. I believe it's a really important part of the journey of God, but this is just one piece where we celebrate together. We celebrate together that we're putting or choosing Jesus first. We're, we're celebrating together. When we do that, we remind each other that we're not alone in this. When we're together and we do this, we encourage each other by hearing each other sing. As a church, we get to go in one direction together to change the world with the name and the mission of Jesus. I believe this moment every week is important. It's essential. Like I said, it's underrated. But this is not the place we worship. It's a place we worship. It's one of the ways we worship. That's why I ask you all the time. It's why I follow up on Sunday mornings by saying, how does this go into Monday? How does what we do here go into Tuesday? How does what happens in this place go to Wednesday? And my question is, do you remain close to God beyond these moments? Do you remain close to God through singing and listening to God through the week? Do you remain close to God in how you dive deep into Scripture, His words to us? Do you remain close to God in diving into His presence? The question is, how do you remain in God daily? Because remember, Jesus knows what's best for us. And as he speaks to us in John, he's like, you want to experience freedom? You remain in me daily because this is where a life of worship is cultivated. So a life of worship is choosing Jesus first. 
A life of worship is remaining close to Jesus daily. And here's the last one. A life of worship is expressing love for Jesus in everything. Pastor Robert Morris, pastor of, uh, of Gateway Church, he's, he has a simple definition of what worship is, and it's two words. Love expressed. Simple definition of worship. Love expressed. When you are living a life of worship, you will express a love for Jesus in everything that you do. You know, I talked about relationship with Amber earlier. Do you know a marriage without love expressed is it's a pretty terrible marriage. It doesn't have life. It doesn't have dynamics. It's a marriage without love expressed. Not an alive marriage, in my opinion. But there's something really important that I want us to understand about love expressed. And if you ever are in premarital counseling with me, we're going to talk on one of the days something called five love languages. You probably have heard of this, right? Pretty simple concept. Every one of us in this room, every one of us online, you have a love language. And the responsibility of your spouse is to love you in the way that you feel loved. Now, I won't get into all what those are, but let's look at me. My responsibility as Amber's husband is to love her in a way that she feels loved. And there's no difference. There's no difference in that and how we live a life of worship with Jesus. We express our love to Him in how we live. In 1 Corinthians 10, 13, this is the instruction it gives to showing love. So whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. We express our love for Jesus when we do everything in our lives for the glory of God. What's Paul trying to say here? In how you live your life, are you living it in a way that God says, this is how I want you to live it? I will feel that love when you do things the way I have called you to, that I've asked you to. Are, you, are we living life that everything is for the glory of God. Simple questions, the decisions we make every day. Are they for the glory of God? So if you want to live a life of worship, you've got to express a love for God. How you express that love for God is to do everything for the glory of God in simple questions. But heavy answers. The decisions you make every day, are they for the glory of God? The way what God would want us to do. How you handle your relationships with others, our marriages, our friendships, our parent to kid, our kid to parent, our, 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 our relationships at work and at school and everywhere you go. How you handle your relationships right now. Are they for the glory of God? Look at the relationships you've had this week, how you've handled them. Are they for the glory of God? How you spend your time, what you give yourself to, what you allow your time to be taken up doing, is it for the glory 
of God. How you spend your money. Is it for the glory of God? If it's true, Paul says, whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, everything for the glory of God, we got to look at every facet of our lives. The verse doesn't say, in some things that you do, do it for the glory of God. How you serve others, give yourself away, is it for the glory of God? The conversations you've had this week, the conversations you'll have coming up, could it be said that they were done for the glory of God? of God. How you think about people. How you talk about people. When people aren't in the room. Grudges you're holding against other people. Is how we live, is it for the glory of God? You can keep going in every aspect of our life. I kind of want this one to weigh heavy on us all week long. Don't hate me for that, but I do. I pray for that for myself. I pray that for you. What you are doing, how you are doing it, is it for the glory of God? If you want to express Jesus, you want to express love for Jesus, you want to live a life of worship that will, will end up turning everything you do to something you do for the glory of God. And this may seem heavy. It may seem heavy. Seems like a lot. And it seems like it would cost us a lot to change our life in that way. But I told you week one, to live in the freedom that Jesus came to give you, it's going to cost us something. It's going to cost us to make some decisions. Jesus came to set us free. But that freedom is going to ask us to choose Jesus first. Jesus came to set us free, but that freedom is going to ask us to remain close to Jesus daily. Jesus came to set us free, but that freedom is going to ask us to express love to Jesus in everything. If you want this freedom that Jesus came to give, then I'm just going to push you a little bit. Maybe it's time to go all in with a life of worship. Or as the song said that I read earlier, maybe it's time to come back to this heart of worship because a life lived in freedom is all about Jesus. You hear me? A life lived in freedom is going to be all about Jesus. We can't expect the outcome that Jesus wants to give when he is not the one we choose first. We can't expect the outcome that Jesus wants to give if we don't remain close to him daily. We cannot expect the outcome that Jesus came to give us if we do not express our love and worship and everything for the glory of God. Now, I want to end this series in a way that I hope motivates you, inspires you, does something inside of you. That yes, we are called to be all in on Jesus. But can I also tell you, you'll never be all in on Jesus as much as he's all in on you. There may be a lot asked of you. And it's going to change how we live our life. 
But you will never be all in on Jesus as much as he's all in on you. And that's why this morning I want to end in communion. So at home, you can get ready, your communion ready. If you didn't get one on the way in today, they're at all the doors. Feel free to go grab one. But I wanted to end this series with communion. Because there is nothing worse than giving yourself to someone to love someone and not be loved in return. But can I tell you this morning, as we're about to go into or end this idea of freedom, the truth is you'll never be loved more than God already loves you. And you can never love God as much as he's going to love you. No matter how much you give yourself to him, he has already given himself more to you. And you know how I know this? It's because how I see he gave his life for you. You want to know how much you're loved. Hear me on this. You want to know how much you're loved. If you're ever questioning, God, you're asking a lot from me. If you ever are just feel like it's so much, think about how much he originally gave to you. That night that Jesus is with his disciples and they're in a room and they're sitting around the table and they don't know what's coming, but Jesus, he takes this bread, he passes it around, I'm just picturing it. He begins to describe to them, this is my body broken. My body had to be broken because I had to pay a price that you couldn't pay. He didn't say these words in these moments. Let me add to the story. I think it was in his mind I can picture is I came to set you free, but you can't live in freedom unless my body's broken for you. So when you eat, do this, remembering me that my body is broken for you. And then he takes the juice and takes that wine and he passes it around and they drink together and he's like, this is my body pierced for you. He's about to be on a cross and they're about to pierce him in the side and blood's gonna run down. And the blood has to run down because there has to be a sacrifice. There has to be a sacrifice for you. And in sacrifice, there's bleeding, there's death. He came to set you free. It's going to cost us some stuff. You have to say no to something so you can say yes to more. You have to run away from things so you can run to Jesus. You're going to have to change. We are going to have to change our lives so everything we do is for the glory of God. But I'm promising we can't give enough to God that overgives what he's already been given to us. And so this morning to end this, I just, I want to take some communion to remind you there's so much for you. But it's because someone gave so much for you. And so you take that bread. Will you take this bread?
And will you take it with the understanding? Will you take it with the remembering? Will you take it with just being filled with love because Jesus gave his body, it's broken for you, and paid the price that you couldn't pay? And will you take that this morning and remember? And this juice, just a symbol. But as you take it and you taste it and it, it enters your body, will you just take it knowing that the blood that Jesus lost, the blood that Jesus lost was not in vain. It was not in vain. That you are able to live in forgiveness and maybe this morning... There's some things going on inside of you that you're like, God, I got to give this to you. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for forgiving me. Maybe you just need to take a moment before you take this. And there's something that you know that he's been pushing you to ask for forgiveness for. And before you take this, you, you take care of that business with him. And the beautiful part is when you ask for forgiveness, then you don't have to carry it anymore. It's like it's dead, just like the death of Jesus on the cross. And maybe you don't even know Jesus this morning. I don't know who's watching this morning or later in the week. And maybe you don't even know Jesus. You haven't given your life to. And in this moment, you want to say, thanks for giving your life. I want to give my life back to you. I don't know what's going on in your life personally. Maybe you're holding on to something and this is the moment you give to Jesus, but as you take this this morning, maybe just forgive me. Thank you for dying for me. I wanna give you my life as you gave your life for me. And everything I do will be love expressed for your glory. Will you take it this morning? Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father, what can I say more than thank you? How do you express thanksgiving for one that gives their life to you? Gives their life for you. How can I say thank you enough? But God, I thank you this morning. And I thank you that you gave your life so I could be in freedom in you every day. And God, I pray that as we've talked about this the last six weeks, that they wouldn't end here. But God, that we would understand that we're set free by you so we can live free with you. And help us every day to live in that freedom by becoming more like you. Help us to live a life of worship that our heart will be completely a heart of worship for you. Break down those areas of our lives that we're still in bondage because we won't give it to you. But God, in worship, that we give ourselves to you because you have given yourself to us. I love you today and thank you for loving us enough and giving us everything we've ever needed. Ever to live in anything that come at us in life. Thank you for your son, Jesus. It's your name we pray. Amen.